0: Welcome to Compassion Radio 360. Morning, honey. It's time for Compassion Radio 360. We're going to take an interesting detour into the world of duck herding. (laughs) Okay. And it was a rabbit trail, so to speak, following the trail of a bunch of herded ducks, some very inexperienced duck herders, and how they saved the life of a family Mm. of ducks.
1: Yes, they did. In Florida, a few weeks ago, the inhabitants, if you will, of the maternity ward at a Jacksonville hospital came upon a mother duck and her ducklings that had been hatched in this little atrium area outside the windows of the maternity ward. It came time for the mother to bring her ducklings out of the nest and to water where ducks like to live. Which is safety for a duck. Yeah and she was very confused as to how to do it. So the employees of the hospital decided to help this mama duck get her ducklings out of this enclosed area into a hopefully more safe place for them.
0: We've seen stories over the years about mother ducks who decide to take their nest and go across major thoroughfares and everyone stops everything they're doing the entire city to make it possible for this crossing to happen this mother had a bigger problem because where she decided to land to set up shop plant her eggs and hatch them was a flight in and a flight out Mm -hmm. now it probably had occurred to mama duck here that ducklings that she's going to hatch won't be flight ready for a while Mm -hmm. and the hospital had a problem too you can't just have ducks running around like crazy in the park the entire time especially as the ducklings begin to grow they've got to get to water and more food they're really stuck no chance of waiting for them to grow out of this Right. What did they do?
1: Well, like I said earlier, the hospital employees decided to help this mother duck as she was frantically scurrying around this atrium to figure out how to get her babies out of there. Mm -hmm. So what they did was they got cardboard boxes and they cut them open to make barriers. They went around to the backside of the mom with her ducklings.
0: Nudge them. (laughs) Nudge them
1: toward the doorways. And as they did that, the mama duck took off that way. And, of course, the ducklings will follow, as we've seen in pictures before. Or maybe you've seen that in person, which is really kind of cool to watch. And she began to waddle through into the hospital itself, down the hallways to the front door and into a park so they use these cardboard boxes to herd them as you said
0: pretty poor approximation of a border collie but it's close (laughs)
1: exactly and there's a great picture of two hospital employees with these cardboard box cutouts herding the mama duck and she's walking through the hallways of this hospital it's really very sweet Now, why on earth would we bring up a story like this for Compassion Radio 360?
0: We don't usually make our pivot to the scripture focus. So before we pivot to the obvious need to have a spiritual focus on the idea of herding ducks, there is plenty to say about the tenderness of that experience, right? People that are watching these ducklings grow and get ready to spring out into the real world there, they've grown attached to these ducks. So there's obviously a natural kind of awe factor, like puppies. People just love them. And they're the mascot for the hospital. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure in some ways they were not happy to see them go. We can attach to things that are tender and have need of care. We watch fawns being born to deer, ducklings to ducks, baby foxes show up around the edge of a town or something. People just kind of fall in love with the growth of those young ones.
1: And everyone loves puppies and kittens.
0: Of course. No problem agreeing with that. What is it, do you think, about being able to watch little ones grow? It just automatically yanks at that kind of compassion and tenderness in us.
1: Well, personally, I think we were created to take care of tiny things. Okay. (laughs) But the funny thing about this story to me, the beautiful thing about it as well, is that it was just outside of a maternity ward Mm -hmm. where little things are being born every day. And these workers, these hospital employees, even the patients themselves are accustomed to these tiny creatures being right there with them. It's their prime
0: focus too. This is what they do for a living. So it it wouldn't be surprising at all for me that maternity ward nurses and doctors would notice Mm -hmm. another family of little ones outside their door. And reminds me that the things you're already attuned to, the things you're paying attention to are the things you're gonna see. Mm -hmm. If this had been in the middle of a junkyard, those ducks may have gone unnoticed for weeks, if not forever. This is a place where life happens Mm -hmm. and where people are saved when things are dangerous and brought back to life. I mean, it's a hospital. They do miracles in hospitals. Sometimes the babies that we have are in need of miracles. That is the place to be for that. No one would have thought that a duck would need a miracle (laughs) to get her babies to fresh water and food. But as far as a duck's concerned, this is a miracle about to happen, whether she knows it or not. There is no way in her own strength she's getting those ducklings to safety. Yeah. So, and I think there's probably on that one level alone, psychologically speaking, there are plenty of times as parents, we walk into a dead end and have no clue how we got there and how are we going to work with our kids to get out of this dead end. Mm -hmm. That happens in our lives a lot, I would think.
1: That's a whole nother program. Yes,
0: it is. (laughs) So these people did what was necessary to help those ducks get to where ducks need to go. Yeah. And it would be natural, right? Because this is what they do. They do this for human beings. Why not do it for ducks? It's just part of their ethic. You take care of the least of these. Mm -hmm. And though those ducklings and the mama are not the least of things to the people in that maternity ward, in the bigger scheme of life out there, what's a duck? We don't pay much attention to those kind of things, but we know plenty of scriptures that tell us that God pays attention to all these things.
1: Yeah. I was struck by a scripture that I found kind of by accident looking for scriptures that had kind of been bubbling up in my mind after reading this story an account in Genesis where God is speaking to Noah after Noah lands the ark and all of the animals are beginning to come out of the ark. And God says that I will now establish my covenant with you and your descendants, which we understand that to be Noah and his family. Mm -hmm. And us. Yeah. And he also says with every living creature that was with you, on the ark Mm. the birds the livestock and all the wild animals all those that came out of the ark with you every living creature on earth the thing that struck me was as humans we believe and we know that god has established a covenant with us and our life in him our response to his nudgings of us the way he loves us we kind of understand that on the human level especially in light of Jesus and what Jesus has done for us in the covenant that was fulfilled in his coming and saving us. Mm-hmm. But this scripture tells me that God also has a covenant with the animals.
0: Yeah, I think about God caring for the animals or drawing our attention to things that are beautiful that are not looked upon with any particular value by mm-hmm. human beings. Even says, compare yourselves to the things that are lowly of the field, like the lilies. Mm-hmm you got nothing on them when it comes to beauty and how to dress yourself. Mm -hmm. Jesus himself, and then Paul later, put on modesty. Beam with joy in the fruit of the Spirit. Let that be the first thing you put on, so that what people would see, whether you're in rags or in robes of richness, what they would remember of you is something that is real beauty. Mm -hmm. Now, the story about these people in the hospital, patients and doctors and nurses alike, and the needs of those ducks, I see them beaming. Throughout this whole story, they're not angry or frustrated or bothered by all this. They're looking forward to the challenge. How do we get these kids and their mom to safety? So for them, it's a joy bringer. Mm -hmm. And you can just see what they would have laughed or giggled like when all this was happening. And it would be a great story. And of course, it made the news. It is to me about the spiritual issue, what delight is. We talk about the joy of the Lord as our strength. We don't often talk about the next emotion right over, which is delight. I think delight itself is something that flows from God's heart. Mm -hmm. He delights in us, so if we want to be like him, we should be delighting in the things that are delightful. And we delight on them. We actually invest our delight into others and in some ways bring joy and life to them because we offer that as a gift. I don't know in the past couple of years, especially, if the world's been doing much delighting.
1: Mm, It's been a tough place to do that.
0: And we know plenty of friends stuck in war zones that are deeply troubled and won't be untroubled until the troubles end. Mm. You know, at the same time, we encourage and pray for the times of joy that can happen even in the midst of conflicts and uncertainties, finding the certainty of God in those circumstances. I don't think the duck and her little ducklings were worried much. They were just confused by these big box people trying to push them out the door.
1: Well, she is concerned for the safety of her ducklings.
0: She has one job, one job Mm -hmm. only. Get those ducks out of there. Do we make that our focus too, to focus on those who need help? Do we focus on giving them the help they need and making that a priority? This entire hospital made a priority out of a duck and her ducklings, Mm -hmm. at least for that day.
1: I'm reminded, too, of stories that we saw coming out at the beginning of the war in Ukraine and other conflict zones that we've covered in the past, even in earthquake, disaster areas of Turkey and Syria and flood areas, all of these things that we see, these stories in the news. There's always, always a story that comes out of those times of someone rescuing animals mm, or true. a pet someone's pet was rescued from the rubble or saved out of the flood or the fire or things like that or stories of people who've lost their pets mm, yeah. in these disasters and how devastating that is to people i think that is something that is built into us and yeah. some level now not everyone enjoys pets or animals or has them in their homes But I personally believe that there is something in us in each one of us that wants to take care of, like you said, on some level, the least of these Mm -hmm. and those that are in danger, those that are more needy than us, those that are unable to care for themselves without help.
0: True. If your priorities in life have never been rearranged, you probably have never had a puppy. <laughs> right. And we're going through that right now with our son getting his own first dog. And of course, he's off to school most of the day. So what do mom and dad do, we take care of the puppy. Of course, we're all bonding with this dog, too. It's been a while since we've had one in the house with us. It is something about that need and the joy they bring for being just who they are that makes it worthwhile every mm-hmm. time. Yeah. I kind of think that God feels the same way about us. For all the hassle of dealing with human beings and all of their faults and foibles and the ways we really mess things up for ourselves and for everybody else, he still is so delighted in having us as his creatures that he's willing to put up with a whole lot of garbage on the way to building real relationship and a bonding, like a pet learning how to love us in the way that a pet can. Mm -hmm. It goes through a long process. You know, they may just feel safe at home first. After a while, they identify their people mm-hmm. and the people that they come home to, the people that they live with all the time. They're my pack. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing is true of God looking at us. Eventually, by all the love and the care that come from him, if we've really been living under his care and understand him to be caring for us, eventually we're faced with that question, do I love him back? Mm-hmm. Am I willing to love him back? Yeah. And we make a choice at that point of saying he's a good God. Not just God, I have to worship because he is. But I've noticed his nature. I've noticed his character, his integrity. They've been expressed toward me. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I can be assured that I will always be in good with him because he loves me. Yeah. And we tend to behave better for those who love us, I would think. (laughs) I
1: think so, too. That we believe, love us, for sure. Yeah.
0: Back to the idea of covenant. Let's cover that for a few more minutes. In what sense, Andy, do you think that God is making a covenant? And what does a covenant mean for God towards animals? I mean, we think about covenants being a mutual agreement. Two people enter into a contract, which is binding on every level, and it supersedes other arrangements or contracts. A covenant is something that is unbreakable, except by the terms of that covenant. Nothing else should get between the two people and their agreement. Mm-hmm. For as long as that covenant lasts, the people are alive. That's what marriage is supposed to be, is a covenant. So, in this regard, God has now made a covenant with all the animals working their way out of the ark. What does it mean to you?
1: As I think about that, I, I guess I kind of feel like God is promising to them his care over mm. them. I mean, in Matthew, Jesus says, Your father in heaven knows when a small sparrow falls to the ground. You know, how much more is he going to take care of you? As a human being, I can say, I'm really glad that God is aware of my life and God Mm -hmm. wants to take care of me. But also as a human being, I can look at the wildlife around us where we live in the mountains of North Idaho, Mm -hmm. think, God, I'm so glad that you take care of those wild animals that we see, the deer and the turkeys, the foxes and coyotes, all of the wild, the moose (laughs) that we've seen evidence of. All of these things that God is taking care of because we had a really harsh winter. We did. It concerned me a number of times how these animals were finding food and shelter in such deep snow.
0: Well, to be fair about some of those wild animals, we had to acknowledge that we don't have much say in what the wild animals do to survive. And we lost chickens to wild animals. And we're not real happy about that. But it's part of their life cycle, too. And we mourn the loss of our chickens. But I'm glad at least that the wildcats and other animals out there has something to eat during the winter.
1: Right. I guess I see a covenant that God would make with the animals as I'm going to provide for you when it's needed. We can look at them and say, well, yes, bad things happen to animals as well. Yeah stuff happens, life happens, the weather, the environment, just like it happens to us. Accidents, all of those things. But it it makes me think that there is an unspoken or unheard language or conversation that goes on between God and the animals. Taking our son to school, we were driving by the lake, and there was a little dock out there that had a slide on it. And under that slide were some otters.
0: (laughs) You saw the otters. Awesome. Yeah.
1: And they were just laying on the dock in the sun. And there <laughs> yeah. was ice and snow everywhere, but there they were sunbathing. And I thought, that is so cool. They're just yeah. relaxing and enjoying the morning yeah. in the sun. But I think about otters or I think about other animals that we see playing. Mm-hmm. What kind of conversation are they having with God, <laughs> yeah. even in that point? And What there kind are of prayers things,
0: does an animal have? Who
1: knows? Yeah. You read these studies and you say... There's no reason for this animal to do this other than foreplay. There's no survival connection. Okay, there's something to that. There's something to the language of animals, how they commune with God, that we don't get at all. But yet, God has given us a window into that in certain areas, in certain places, that we can see they, too, are worshiping a holy God. They, too, are living their lives in worship To the best
0: of their capacity, for sure. Um, C.S. Lewis has talked about the relationship that men have to animals that, Mm -hmm. as far as they're concerned, a god to them. Because Mm -hmm. we have great power over them that they can't even explain, especially domesticated animals. I also read an article last year sometime about dogs in an MRI machine. Mm -hmm. They were actually doing scans of them. And someone decided to study this. What about emotions? What if we show them things, like we show people, to study how their brains respond? When they did, their brains in the MRIs lit up just like we do when we see familiar people that we love. Mm -hmm. When they would show pictures of their owners, their brains lit up with the kind of sensory perception and emotions that we have thinking about our loved ones Mm. in the same parts of their brains. That's cool. So I would say on the emotional level, at least, there's not that much distance between how our animals relate to us and we relate to each other and to God, and I think it's pretty cool. Another thing that comes to mind as we close today, honey, if God is making a covenant with the animals and with the earth in which they live, there's got to be a sense that if we really believe theologically that God and we are in partnership in the place he's given us, that we are to care for the earth, not just to exploit it. I mean, the Bible is really clear about that. It says to master it. He doesn't say to destroy it. Mm -hmm. In other words, master yourselves too. Don't be a destructive force. Figure out a way to restrain from doing those things. That's scripturally sound. Mm -hmm. So God has already invested us with a certain amount of responsibility and authority to follow Mm -hmm. through on his promises. So we are in some ways, I believe, his partners in seeing through these kind of covenants that God has made with all creation that we're part of. Mm -hmm. On one level, we are another animal on this planet. We have the same kind of needs to be able to survive. We need to be able to have the right kind of food for us. And God is aware of that. I would think that we need to get serious about considering if God made a covenant, and we are God's people, that his covenants ought to matter to us. Yes. And that he's empowered us to act on those covenants in ways as his full representatives, as his partners in caring. And that as we look around the earth, it doesn't take long for a child to figure out, oh, this animal needs me, or is hurting, or is without. A kid will instantly see a dog that hasn't eaten in a day Mm. and care for that animal. Mm -hmm. We sometimes grow ourselves out of those kind of caring situations because we think we can't solve every problem. We have to finally cut the cord somewhere. Mm -hmm. We can't be everyone's savior, we think. But a child knows, I can save that one. Yeah. What are we missing in our adulthood that kids just know is from the heart of God?
1: Wow, that's a loaded question. There's a lot of things that we're missing, but one of the things that we are not allowing ourselves to miss is time. Mm. We are so scheduled and so busy in our lives as adults and things that we're doing that are important, our work and our, even our play, that we maybe don't um, open our eyes enough to the outside. We're focused on the things that we've got to get done. The things that are, quote, important for us to do, to be part of, to take care of, that maybe often we don't see those things happening. I think about stories of oil spills Mm. and how there are hundreds and maybe thousands sometimes volunteers that go to those places on the shores, the beaches, and begin to gather up the animals that have been affected by the oil spill and how these volunteers will clean these animals up, give them baths, make sure that they're taken care of and not affected permanently by having this oil on their bodies so that they can't float or swim or take care of themselves. Things like that are beautiful to me. Sometimes you'll hear, oh, that's a waste of time or money or resources, but I think it's important in light of taking care of creation. And it doesn't just mean taking care of the planet, which is very important, like you said, but also taking care of the animals, the creatures that live on the planet.
0: I think we know farewell well that when we mess things up, we're responsible for it. And when you see people addressing the damage we've caused to the environment because of an oil spill or something, on our behalf is an entire race of people. Some people have taken it upon themselves to be responsible for those kind of cleanups. And it brings them purpose and meaning and probably joy, too, to know they've saved animals. I think it's a marvelous thing. I don't think it's to be looked down on at all. Mm-hmm. But it also reminds us, too, that if we have this covenant that God's made with the creation, it reminds us at those moments, we really need to be about the business of not messing things up. If at all possible. But when bad things happen, to deal with it and move forward.
1: We need to realize, because of Scripture, God cares for the animals. Mm. He cares about His creation. He cares
0: about and He cares for.
1: For, yes. yes. I mean, there's Scriptures that talk about, don't muzzle the ox when mm-hmm. it's working. Allow the ox to have water and, and food. That's to take care of the ox. Scriptures talk about the springs that gush forth in the wilderness where no humans are. Those are to take care of the wild animals. Yeah. And the, the fruits that we never benefit from, those are to feed the wild animals. The lion lays down with the lamb. The care that God shows toward these animals. It's like he realizes, I have to protect them somehow. I have to take care of these creatures that I've created.
0: It's tough enough just to survive out there without having one particular creation out there going out of their way to harm you. So, yeah, we have that calling from God To be aware like he is of the things he created and to not injure them on purpose.
1: He even talks about in the Ten Commandments about the day of rest. Mm He's saying that you you labor for six days. On the seventh day you rest and then give your ox and your donkey rest those days as well. He's concerned with those things. I
0: also think he's concerned with the way we treat animals because he knows full well that it is our rehearsal for how we're going to treat human beings Mm -hmm. the rest of our life. That's true. And small kids that are not taught to be respectful of the feelings or the pain that an animal could experience by abusing it may grow up to not care about that and not care about humans. Mm -hmm. So it's important for us to learn as we go along to be careful in all ways with all creatures, including us.
1: There's so many other scriptures that talk about God's care and concern for animals, for creatures other than human creatures. You know, there's the lifelong question of do animals go to heaven? I I don't have a great answer for that. I do know that in Revelation, it talks about all creatures on the earth, under the earth, in the sea, will say blessing and honor to God, you know, to the Lamb. I think that there's something that might be surmised from that. But I know through scripture... When you look, you find places that God says, these are important to me. These creatures, these animals that I've created are important to me. Mm -hmm. And we don't know as humans, and a lot of studies are done, but we don't know what they do and do not understand just because we don't speak their language. Yeah, true. But we do see sometimes, especially now with our new puppy, we see sometimes she looks like she might be sad or she's very happy. We can obviously tell when (laughs) she's very happy or when she's put out with us for something or other.
0: Growls at us for not playing. Yeah. Life is full of stuff. Mm -hmm. Not always easy, but the joy is not going to come unless we get messy. And I got to say that you mentioned heaven being with or without animals. I believe that heaven is full of joy and love and presence and purpose. I do. And it's not sterile in that regard. Mm -hmm. So life is not sterile here in some of the worst ways possible and in some of the best ways possible. Making mud pies with your kids when they're three years old is not sterile. But it is a whole lot of fun. We are called to get messy in the pursuit of loving others. We learn that as parents. There's no way to escape a child's infancy without being really, really messy at times. Mm -hmm. No child is ever sterile in that regard. And we accept that. We know that life is messy and we help them grow through how to take care of themselves more as they grow up. And eventually they'll have the same cycle with their own children. Dealing with creation can be a messy process as well, but it doesn't mean that we therefore should not engage or that there's no joy in being there. And every good farmer knows this. Every good herdsman knows this. You love the things that God's given you because God gave them to you because Mm. you're loving him by doing it. And, you want to treat it well because it's not just good to do so, it's also your wealth. The things you treat well benefit you in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, eternally, I would think, because it builds your character more and more like God. And that has positive impacts as well. Yeah, We can go on this trail for a long, long time <laughs> and hurt a lot of ducks. But that's how we got to this point, folks. And I thank you for joining us on this little jaunt through Scripture in a way that leads us to very funny corners. where we find God's love and compassion very much alive. And if you want to see those ducks on their way, one pen to a new pasture, that video and a link to that article are on our website, compassionradio.com. So we hope you'll stop by to check out that and many other stories in our Compassion Radio 360 section. We'd love to have your thoughts on how these kind of things are important to you and your faith as you go along through life trying to be God's agent of compassion. We'll see you next Monday for the next Compassion Radio, Chasing the Word. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. So call us today at 1 800 868 2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California. 92877. Again, that's box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Or give online at CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.